Principal Matters Podcast, episode 223. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about a fighter pilot's lessons for leaders, part two, with my special guest, Colonel Brad Rutman. Colonel Brad Rutman is a 21-year veteran of the U.S. Air Force, and he currently serves as the operations group commander for the 138th Fighter Wing. He is a person who has received multiple medals for combat duties, two meritorious service medals, four combat air medals, and the aerial achievement medals, and the Iraq and Afghanistan campaign medals. He's a good friend, a, a husband, a father, and he lives and resides in Owasso, Oklahoma. Last week, if you missed part one of this conversation, Colonel Rutman unpacked for us the lessons that he calls his pocket list, lessons for leaders to apply in their own command. And Colonel Brad Rutman, welcome back to this second episode together with Principal Matters listeners. I I always like to start with some kind of personal question, so I'm just going to ask you straight up. How do you feel the military has handled COVID restrictions? No, it is very important. Um, we uh, we have to take the 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 COVID risk very seriously because you know if if uh, if troops go down and get sick, then we can't accomplish the mission. Uh, so our wing, we we have um, a detachment that uh, is stationed down in Houston, Texas, and we have a twenty four seven airspace control alert mission where we sit ready twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, uh, in case somebody tries to crash an airliner. Uh, into the huge amount of oil reserves we have there. So we have to manage it to make sure that we have our people um, as healthy as possible to keep that mission going. Uh, so we have had to we, we have had to do a bunch of different things and we have gone uh, everywhere from completely stopping flying locally and uh, just keeping people at home and safe uh, for when they have to go do their tours uh, to in the summertime, starting to um, kind of lift the restrictions a little bit and uh, having everybody on base to back this, just this past week, we have gone back to split shifts. And, um, and so we, we, we kind of have a, an, a red team and a blue team and the blue team is there during the beginning of the week. And the red team is there the second half of the week. So if one of those two uh, gets infected, then that the, uh, the other crew can still do the job. So yeah, we are, we are managing it. We're taking it very seriously. We have, um, our own testing capability so that we don't have to go into town uh, and worry about it. So we have it on base uh, just to make sure that everybody's doing okay. Well, and I know that you guys have had strict protocols since the very beginning in terms of managing mandated masks at your uh, airbase site, um, making sure that you're following protocols um, together. And, um, and um, I'm only belaboring this point because I just want school leaders to recognize that because this is what I'm seeing schools that have been practicing strong protocols from the beginning, a lot of them have been able to serve kids, many of them in person or in hybrid situations. Um, and so I have to just compliment school leaders because I feel like they've they've done such good work of trying to maintain safety and protocols within their own communities. And I feel like the, the friends of mine who serve in the military are as well. And, and I just have to say, Brad, that I wonder why can we not apply that community wide? You know, why is it so difficult? It seems for these protocols that we know work, 
on your military base. We know that they work when, when schools use them, but it seems like um, it would only make sense that if you could apply those throughout an entire community, that maybe we could see a flattening of this rise in infection and more people healthy. So I don't expect you to get political here because I know that <laughs> even in our state, that I know that that's a that's a question that people are wrestling with. But thank you for for that feedback because the strategic work that you do every single day requires you to stay healthy so that we can stay safe in our freedoms. And and so thank you for for again, as I said last episode, for your sacrifice and your commitment to that. But school leaders, the essential work that you're doing every day, taking care of kids, is also guaranteeing that they can be provided with a safe and healthy education. And, and for some of them, that means at home, if they have to go virtual. Um, but I just want to remind you, principal managed listeners, to stay strong and stay courageous uh, because those things that you're doing, uh, they matter and they do make a difference in, in keeping people healthy. Um, Brad, I, I know when I say things like that, you have thoughts that you want to add. So I want to give you a chance before I before I move into the next part of our conversation. No, I, th- I think that's uh, that all of what you said is 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 great, um, and I, I think that a lot of times that the great thing about the military uh, is that we've all kind of jumped in or uh, and agreed to a certain code that we live by. So, uh, and we're very good at following orders, not all the time, but uh, in general, we're very good at following orders. So it's very easy for us to kind of implement um, our policies and restrictions and all that because you know we're just so used to saying yes sir, yes ma'am. And, well, and in general, probably the teachers are as well. Uh, whenever you're in a community where everybody has bought into a similar set of rules uh, and guidelines and mindsets, um, it's a lot easier. As soon as you get out of the community, you just have so many different mindsets and agendas and and somebody's always going to lose uh, whenever you make a big decision. And I do not envy. I do not envy the mayors uh, and the governors uh, of the United States of America right now. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, and I'm reminded of just how important leadership – we are all reminded of how important leadership is when we hit the most difficult times because it takes those courageous, strong decisions for others to just have to they – may, they may agree or disagree, but it still takes strong, courageous decisions for people to step forward and do what's next. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so I, I've just admired watching how you guys have managed that, Brad, in the work that you do. And I've so admired watching school leaders um, lead that, that way in their schools as well. Last time, we unpacked several areas together that you call your pocket list for leadership steps for new command. I, I'm just going to summarize them from our last conversation and then jump right back in. You, you talked last time about the importance of setting boundaries and instilling discipline, projecting empathy, um, righting wrongs, building trust, leading people where they are seeking first to understand before being understood, and then staying sharp. And under that, you have other bullets like never think you've arrived. Think like you're the, uh, you're, think like your boss's boss. Uh, beware of the Bathsheba syndrome, which I would love to unpack with you. And then studying psychology. And in last episode, you were able to unpack a couple of those areas and with some great stories. And so I, I just wanted to, um, first of all, thank you for giving me more time with you uh, to unpack a few more of these areas. But as you look at that list um, let's just jump into those next areas where you see um, as important focuses for for school leaders. Where would you like to jump in first? Yeah, we'll just jump. We'll just go right to the next bullet. So build trust was the last one I talked about and, and emphasized it a lot. So the next one is lead people where they are. So I think it's very important um, to understand in, in, in almost every organization, there is some sort of chain of command. Um, so leading people where they are uh, has a lot of different facets to it. 
The first one is um, if you're if you're a senior leader, a strategic leader out there, if you're a superintendent listen, listening to this program, uh, a school board person, school board member, uh, it's very important that um, you think about when you're when you're trying to talk to a, a one each teacher in your in your school district uh, or in a school that you make sure that you try to lead them as a one each teacher. Uh, one of one of the uh, failure, not failures, but one of the things that was very, I think, um, whenever, whenever I was the commander of that squadron that I talked about in the previous um, podcast, uh, I was in charge of, of course, a, a large group of maintainers, uh, and I was a pilot. So in general, I didn't know a whole lot about their tactical level knowledge um, as a pilot. I was very good at making decisions um, based on how to resource them and how to train them uh, and taking care of them but I didn't know their job very well. So it's very important to, to understand uh, your people um, and what they do and, and what your limitations are as well. Um, because if you, if you try to, to swoop in and try to tell them what to do and you do not have the credibility to do that, then it's probably going to fail or, or it could have an adverse consequence. And in addition, leading people where they are, we had the, the wing commander on our base is the highest ranking person on our base. Like they lead, 1200 people um, from from their office they are the the top dog the buck stops there and so our wing commander was not very happy with uh, how much the the maintainers were producing as far as like how many jets they could put up and so he thought it would be a great idea if he just showed up to one of their maintainer meetings with all of the chief master sergeants really the tactical level leaders the chief master sergeants the senior master sergeants the, the squadron commanders, maybe at the operational level, he was going to show up and he was going to tell them that they need to work harder in a nice way, but pretty much by, by telling them that, you know, this is, this is what's going to be the consequence if we don't, if you guys don't work harder, if you guys don't work harder then you know, and you know, China is going to take over the South China Sea, Russia's taken over the, the North Atlantic, uh, and we need to work harder because we can't let that happen. And so he was essentially giving strategic level uh, inputs to these tactical level leaders. And I could, you could just see the look on their faces that they just were not following. And, and not that they don't care about all that kind of stuff, but the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes down to it, they don't care. Because uh, in general, you know, tactical level people really care about three things. They care about purpose, um, they care about security, and they care about relationships. Uh, and so what China and Russia was doing was not really what they cared about. They were sitting there in a meeting that went past the end of the day. And all the while, they're probably thinking about, I should be getting, I should be leaving right now because I need to get to football practice. Uh, and so it's important. I, I took that lesson to go, okay, it is not going to be my job as a strategic level leader to jump over the operational level leaders and try to tell the tactical level leaders what to do. So I think it's very important to understand people. Um, and if, you know, those books that I talked about you know, emotional intelligence um, and and stuff like that, because emotional intelligence will talk about things like social awareness um, and having a, a good awareness of who is the best person to lead a group of people. It probably is not going to be you if you're two levels up. So yeah. leading people where, where they are uh, is very important for getting the job done, because I think well, it's very easy for us as as strategic and operational level leaders to go, well, I'm a really high ranking guy. And if I just jump in and start yelling at them, then they'll do what I say. And that might not be the case. 
what I love about that, Brad, is just the reminder to education leaders to think about, and I know you know this if you're listening to the show, but um, I'll give you an example, Brad. Whenever I was a high school principal, um, I used to try to take time to go by and visit our cafeteria management, uh, the ladies and mostly ladies that worked in that area who were making food for our kids, um, maybe occasionally sit down and have lunch with them. And, and just remember that for them, the most important thing of their day was not test scores or bus routes or anything else. The most important thing of their day was, can I feed all these kids? And what are some of the things that they're running up against that are, that are making that job frustrating for them? And so because we had a good working relationship, when they ran into a snag that affected feeding kids, or maybe they ran into something else that was going on with our schedule that was competing with their work, we could have those conversations because we had the room for those conversations. And that's just a small example, but you could apply that over and over and over again that you're right. I could, I could walk into those conversations and talk to them about ACT scores or things which might be interesting to them, but I guarantee that's not the strategic thing that that's really going to motivate them. But if I stepped in and reminded them, thank you guys so much for the hard work you do every day to feed these kids. Cause I, I watch you get them every kid through line. You make sure that they all have healthy portions. You're always doing a little bit extra. Then what, what, what happens? They're going to, they're going to make that experience for those kids even better because they feel appreciated. And so I love that lead people where they are, not where, not where you are, but where they are. Um, You also talk about um, seeking first to understand before being understood, which I know is a cubby quote, but I I would love for you to unpack that too. Yeah. Um, And so that's a great segue because um, I think many times that as leaders, especially brand new leaders, like people that, have just been selected as a principal. Um, they, you know, they've been a teacher for a long time. And they're like, okay, I have in my brain exactly how I want it to be. Like, I know how it should be. I've been waiting for this moment for 15 years and I'm going to jump in and I am going to change everything. And the world is going to be awesome. And now that I'm the person in charge. And the truth of the matter is, is that you may have some really awesome ideas and the, the utopia that you've built in your brain of how it's supposed to be is not necessarily bad. But the problem is, is that you have to, you have to find a way to influence people to do it and not always do those people want to do what you want to do. So if you think that you're just going to go, look how great my idea is and everybody's going to go, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Um, you're, you're kidding yourself. Because there may be a handful of folks that are just like you that might agree with you, but I would contend that that may be a third of your subordinates. Uh, there's probably a third that are really like jealous or um, unhappy that you got the job and not them. Uh, and then there's probably a third of them that really just don't care. Uh, so as a leader, it's going to be your job to figure out how you are going to um, take all of these ideas or whatever it is and influence people because leadership is influence. That's the definition of leadership influence. You have to figure out how to influence all of these people to implement your ideas. And the best way to do it, in my opinion, is to first find out how, how you can, uh, understand what their priorities are, what the things that they want to happen are. Um, and that empathy, the writing of the wrongs, all of those things is a, is a part of all of that. Because if you just jump right in and say, this is what's going, then how it's going to be, you're never going to get those people to take ownership of that. And, and two of the, the biggest weapons that a leader has in his or her arsenal uh, is accountability and ownership. 
Uh, if you can find a way to get your subordinates to have ownership in the decisions that you that you would like to happen, you let them let it be their idea instead of your idea. They're going to want to implement it. And so understanding them, how they work, what their priorities are, what their agendas are. That's the social awareness in in um, in uh, emotional intelligence uh, that makes things just go a whole lot better in the end. Because if you just take charge and then go, this is how it's going to be and you're going to do it. You're going to have unhappy subordinates, people that don't want to follow you, people that will drag their feet on things and um, it's just not going to be as good. So, yeah, that's I got that from one of the seven habits of highly effective people. I always kind of laughed whenever I, I looked at Covey's list because one of them are like, you know, the habits are like be proactive, you know, and it's like really that you wrote a whole book on being proactive. But there, there are a couple in there and seek, seeking first to understand and then to be understood, I think, is a huge one and a great one yeah. uh, that Covey wrote. Well, what's so powerful about that and what you just said was that it, ownership has to happen before accountability is meaningful. And, and so you're right. Um, um, I'm going to put you on the spot again here in just a minute, Brad, and ask you to unpack some another story. But bef bef before I do that, I want to I want to jump into this next area, too, because you've got several bullets under this, which is for how leaders stay sharp. And, uh, and under that category, you've got several things, you know, never think you've arrived think like your boss's boss, beware of the Bathsheba syndrome and study psychology. Um, take a few minutes and let's unpack that together. So, um, you know, sharpening the saw, that's another Covey seven habit of, of highly effective people. Uh, and so staying sharp, I think is very important. I think it's very easy um, when you are a young person, in whatever field that you're in to make a goal that I'm going to be uh, the principal someday. Or, you know, I, I think a lot of people think about, you know, being the superintendent as something that's out of their their reach just because it requires a, a, a much higher level of education. But, um, you know, when you finally get to that job or whatever it is, it's very easy to just take, you know, just exhale and go, OK, I don't have to do anything else because I've made it. Uh, I, I have attained the goal that I was looking for. So now I'm just going to sit on my throne I'm going to bark order and everybody's going to listen to me. Um, and I think anybody that's actually gotten into any of those leadership positions, they know that it just doesn't happen that way. So you have to keep finding ways to be a better leader than you were yesterday. Uh, and you do that by, like I said, studying psychology, studying people, understanding people, reading books, doing things to, to keep yourself learning all the time. Because as soon as you think that you've arrived, you're, you're going to atrophy, you know, all of the things that were important at the time um, are going to, are, are going to kind of fall off. Um, I'll, I'll skip the boss's boss and go straight to, I mean, I'll go back to it, but the Bathsheba syndrome um, is a, it's a, it's a great article um, that I think is still online for free that you can go read it, but it really focuses on how leaders fall from grace because they just have never been taught what to do once you become the person in charge like how do you how do you deal with the success of that um and it and it focuses on the story of king david uh in the old testament and how you know he was a man after god's own heart he was a great warrior a great leader a great king and he just um he, he just got lazy uh and he didn't stay sharp and he didn't stay focused and that resulted in um you know the rest of the story with bathsheba and all the things that he did poorly so staying sharp and not thinking you're, you've arrived will prevent yourself from falling into the Bathsheba syndrome and having things fall apart on you because 
um, for, you know, when you get in charge, the, the, the thing that you want to do most uh, for a lot of people is just preserve yourself. Self-preservation becomes a huge thing. And so you will start to do things, you'll start to do things that might be morally or ethically ambiguous in order to make sure that you stay at the top, uh, and that people are doing what you say, uh, and, and all of those things. So I think it's important. It's important to stay sharp, to stay humble, uh, to keep that introspection going to continuously, uh, self be, be self-aware, you know, the first two elements of, of, uh, emotional intelligence are self-awareness and, uh, self-management. And if you can keep doing that and keep an eye on yourself, then uh, you won't fall into that, that trap. And then, uh, the bullet think like your boss's boss. I, I've always wanted to uh, somebody, I learned that, um, from, uh, one of the commander development course speakers that I had. And I thought it was really good because I think that for most people, especially in that middle operational level leadership, uh, the principles, if you will, they have to not only deal with the challenges of their subordinates and all the things happening below them, but then they always are uh, uh, aware of and possibly fear uh, something coming down from the superintendent that uh, that maybe you didn't do right or or uh, challenges or you know friction points. It, it, the, the big deal for me was how, if I put myself in my boss's boss's shoes, what are the things that he or she would get upset about that would cause my boss to get upset and cause problems for me at the operational level? So that's not easy to do, um, to think two levels ahead of yourself. Uh, but if you, know, if, you, if you know your job and you know where those friction points are, especially when it comes to relationships with people, uh, then you can, you can make sure that you get your boss the info that he or she needs to make sure that, that, that whatever happens doesn't happen in a way that's going to adversely affect your life. Because I can tell you uh, from an operational level standpoint, I have lost a lot more sleep worried about what my boss is thinking than I probably should. Uh, and if I can keep those instances from happening, it makes my life a lot easier. Wow. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I know you're applying all of these to your own work as well, um, but staying sharp in your work. Um, Brad, I when I think about the Bathsheba syndrome, I think about how one of my greatest fears is I don't want to become the person that I, that I wouldn't want to work for. It, because I think all of us fear like becoming that person that others would not want to work for. Because all of us have had good or bad leaders in our past. And we know it's a joy when you work for someone who is trustworthy and who gets it. And then it's a burden when you're working from someone who doesn't. And so, um, but that Bathsheba syndrome reminds us that even the strongest leaders can slide. They can get, they can forget. Uh, And you tell me that you tell me a story um, and I'm going to ask you to share it. And this isn't your own personal story, but of where you saw that Bathsheba syndrome play out in the life of, of a military leader, um, a, a high-ranking general. And do you, do, I don't know if you remember telling me that story, but we talked about that recently. And I, I would love for you to share that with listeners as an application. Yes. So that the, the, I guess the foundation of the article and why it was written and why it became a big deal. Um, I, I will say that the army, the U S army has done a very good job of tackling toxic leadership uh, in their ranks. And then, trying to understand leadership failures. They, they have done a lot of work on it. They put a lot of resources toward it. Uh, and this one in particular really focused on General David Petraeus. And I can't remember exactly what his job was, but he was either the Supreme Allied Commander uh, in Afghanistan, or he might've been the CENTCOM commander. I can't remember. But this, this guy who had been in the army for 34 years had a, 
impeccable record. He was a four-star general, uh, very respected by his subordinates, uh, was one of those, uh, in general, one of those leaders that everybody thought was a great guy uh, and was doing a good job. And uh, after all of this success and everything that he had, um, he goes out and has an affair with a reporter uh, while in Afghanistan and loses it all. And people on the outside are just like, how does that happen? How does this guy who has done all of this great stuff and has had a 34 year army career, throw it all away with an affair with a reporter. Um, and, and so that's where the Bathsheba syndrome kind of research, uh, came about. Um, and, and it's a great paper. It's only eight pages long, I think. So it's a very short read. It is a little bit technical, um, on some leadership stuff. So it's a little nerdy, uh, but it's a great picture of how, if a person is not staying self-aware of all the things that are bad ideas, uh, and in general, I think what, where most people fall into, uh, peril is when, when they have just, they have control over things that they've never mm -hmm. had control over before, whether it be resources whether it be um, just uh, relationships or um, influence over who gets chosen for jobs and stuff like that, that's where it usually falls out. Uh, and it's a lot more difficult these days because everything is visible. Social media makes sure that uh, everybody knows everything about everything. You have uh, everyone with a, with a phone is now a critic. So there's a lot more accountability than, than back in the day whenever you, you, know, you could keep things uh, a lot more secret. But that's really where it came from. And as leaders, if you're not staying self-aware, if you're not understanding, you know, like I go back to emotional intelligence, self-awareness and self-management, you know, the things that are a problem for you and you are able to self-manage those. That's what keeps you from falling into that peril. So if you know that, um, you know, if you're a, a male and you know that growing up, you just had a problem looking at women who are not your wife, um, then you need to self-manage that. Uh, otherwise you're going to end up having uh, an affair with a reporter uh, after a 34 year um, uh, army career or something like that. So, so that self-awareness and self-management portion is so important about staying sharp, um, mm -hmm. making sure that you don't fall into those traps that the Bathsheba syndrome talks about. Well, and Brad, what I appreciate about that too is that character will influence the way that you lead other people. And I, and I know that you and I now sound like we're grandpas it, because it feels like in our culture, people seem to be giving passes now. Like, like, I guess character doesn't matter as much as it used to, as long as you just do a good job. But you and I both know that doesn't work in reality. When you're leading teams, when you're leading schools, when you're leading commands like you do, when you're leading others, if they don't trust you, they won't follow you. And you're going to, in the entire organization disintegrates around lack of trust. And so it is not a luxury. Leadership is not a luxury that affords you the ability to ignore your character. And so it just doesn't. The reality is no matter what culture tells us or what we see on in news or politics, character still matters. And it matters because um, because if the outcomes that we want for those who we are leading, in our case in education, children, then we have to be able to demonstrate the kind of behavior that we want them emulating. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect people. We, we all fail. We all make mistakes, but we, we own those. But I, but I really appreciate that, that, that warning. And I'm just going to be frank with Principal Matters listeners because, um, because 
we're all leaders and we've seen these experiences, but I've seen those same things happen in school leadership with, with men or women who have had incredible careers, but who's, um, who may in their later years make a moral choice that, that, that implodes that, that opportunity that they would have had to continue leading. And so it's, it's the truth. And it's just such an important thing, I think, for all of us to be reminded of that, that self-reflection, that self-awareness, that self-check is important. The higher you get in leadership, because you have fewer people holding you accountable, you're going to have to hold yourself accountable um, to to lead that direction. Well, Brad, I want to wrap up this conversation by just thanking you for these amazing takeaways, because you've You've given us such rich feedback in both these episodes that we've had together. And um, I do want to just let Principal Matters listeners know that in addition to those bullet, those pocket leadership points that you have, you keep a long running list of just incredible quotes from people. And I'm going to just pick one. And, and, and if you don't mind, I would love to share some of these quotes in the in the blog post that accompanies um, this podcast episode. But I'm just going to pick one of these quotes um, from from a leader who I know you said earlier that you admire so much, and that's um, uh, Colin Powell, who said, never let your ego get so close to your position that when your position goes, your ego goes with it. I love yeah. that. What, what are your thoughts on that quote? Well, so it, that's really, the reason why I love that quote so much is that, as I've seen what happens. Um, and so for fighter pilots, uh, it's it may be a little bit different because the fighter pilot ethos becomes so much a a part of, of some of these guys identity that it, it's, it is the, the heart of why they live. And so, um, you know, when a guy or or a girl has gone through all of the training, um, and gone through all the upgrades and is now like an official fighter pilot, um, sometimes it's very easy to just latch on to that identity and make that where all of your self-esteem lies. Um, and I don't know if teachers do it, you know, there's probably principals that do it and maybe superintendents that do it, but they've taken that job, that thing, and they've wrapped up their entire ego into that position. And so if something happens, like they retire, like, you know, it may not even be bad. They just retire or um, medically they can't fly anymore. Or, you know, as far as the principal goes, you know, they, they've been in the seat for a long time and the superintendent or whoever mm-hmm. makes the decisions has decided okay, you need to retire or you, you need to go do something else. And, um, and so after that happens, they, they come, they just fall apart. They just lose their mind and, um, their life goes downhill and they have nothing left. And, and so, uh, it's, that's very easy for ha- to happen for fighter pilots, especially if something happens to them like medically and they can't fly anymore or they get fired for, you know, immoral or inappropriate behavior. And then they just, they, they lose it. They, they don't know what to do because all of their self-esteem and their entire ego has been put into that position. So I find that most, the most successful leaders are people that are able to lead in a way that, um, their, all of their marbles aren't put in that one bowl. Uh, so you'll find that, that bad leaders are so scared of losing their leadership position that they will do things that are, um, you know, toxic uh, like micromanagement. It's like, I can't, I can't look bad or I can't have anybody think that I'm a bad leader. So I'm going to micromanage my subordinates to make sure that they do everything that I need for them to do. That's because they put too much of their ego into their position. So, you know, for folks that have balanced lives, um, you know, I, I will, I will give kudos to 
there, for whatever reason, the military and the Air Force attracts a lot of Mormons, a lot of uh, Church of Christ, uh, uh, Church of uh, Jesus. I'm going to say it wrong. Of Latter Day Saints, Church of, um, and I right, apologize. Church of Jesus of Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yep. Yes, I apologize to all of your viewers out there that are part of that church. But I have always admired them because they are able to go out and do a job, and they know in the background that the church and everything and the community that they're involved in is more important than that job. And that, for whatever reason, seems to make them better leaders because they haven't put all of their self-esteem, they haven't put all of their um, their ego into this job because they know in the background that everything else that goes on with their church and their community is a lot more important. And so yeah. I think that that's really what that quote revolves around is not trying to put put your ego all into your job. It'll make you a bad leader. It'll make you very possessive and very self-preserving if you do that. Well, and Brad, my listeners know that I talk about this quite a bit in the, in the newest book that I wrote. Um, I talk a lot about how investing in all of those areas of your life outside of your position make you better at your position. So the, whether that's your health, your family, your spiritual life, your you, you know your friendships, all of those things, which is why I, I still value this conversation you and I are having because I'm getting to cultivate our friendship, but also just learn so much valuable information from you too. I, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but I, before we wrap up, you get asked this question all the time because you're a fighter pilot. And so I know you've probably been asked like, you know, what's one of the scariest situations that you've been in or, you know, and I know because you've flown missions and you've led teams that you've been in a lot of difficult situations. But when you think back over your career and you think about where leadership has made a difference, um, what, what would you pick as, as a story that kind of demonstrates where um, if you were to retire tomorrow, when you look back, you think this is an area that I'm glad I was able to make a difference. So I, I really think it's so funny because as fighter pilots, we are not we are not raised to care about relationships. We're just not. We're raised to care about the mission and getting the job done. Uh, to to flying in the bad guy land and shooting at down all the bad guy airplanes to get in the way, dropping your bombs on the target, and then getting out safely. That's the most important thing whenever you're raised in the fighter pilot community. So relationships don't matter that much during that time. So what, what happens is, um, is you get a, a mentality of, I'm going to be the best fighter pilot that I can possibly be. If you've ever watched Top Gun, you know, those guys are out there competing to try to be the best. And that is good, actually, because you want, you want your frontline fighter pilots, the guys that are going to go out and do the job, to, to have that mentality. You want that. But then life goes on after that, and you have to actually lead people uh, when you get a little bit older in rank. Um, and figure out um, how to work with the rest of the base and and get them to follow you. Uh, and so the thing that I think is the most important thing um, that and I think it just applies to uh, across all of the fields of, of work. And and that is, is that relationships in the end, relationships matter. They just do. Um, and so I've been very um, uh, fortunate that I had two parents that kind of taught me that. Um, and, and how important it was to maintain relationships because, um, I, I think there's a quote that I have in my list there that, that talks about how, um, uh, you know, the tree, the ax forgets, but the tree does not. Um, I don't know if I got that right, but, um, in your life, uh, you're going to come across people on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and, uh, it's important for you. There it is. The ax forgets, but the tree remembers. 
it's important for you to understand that every relationship that you have with people is going to have an impact. And it's especially going to be more impactful when you're somebody of any sort of, uh, of, of being in charge or of rank or of substance. You could say some insignificant things to somebody, but because of your position, they may turn out to be significant. So I think that understanding relationships and understanding why um, it's important to be able to make tough decisions, but on the backside of that, emotional intelligence, you know, social awareness and relationship management, those are the second two. Um, learning how to do that, I think, is the most important. So when I look back on my career um, at the 138th Fighter Wing, I, I, I think the thing that I'm going to be the most proud of is that I was able to not only work in the operations group where all the pilots uh, and the operators live, but also I got to live in the maintenance group. And to bridge, I feel like to bridge the relationships between those groups um, to make them work together better, I think is probably going to be the thing that that I'm going to be the most proud of whenever I leave. And and all of the friendships that came along with that. So bridging those yeah. relationships and making those friendships are going to be the most important thing. Yeah. And Brad, I know that applies to all leaders who are listening to this right now. And I'm going to, just going to read this last quote that you that you shared when you shared some of your favorite leadership quotes. And this is one by Mark Twain, who says, the two most important days in our lives are the day that we are born and the day that we find out why. And then he follows up by saying, if you follow up by saying, if you can help someone find the purpose in their life, you are the greatest leader ever in their eyes. And so I just think that's so powerful because Ultimately, at the end of the day, the the measure of our leadership is how we've influenced others. It's not necessarily how we've grown ourselves, even though it's important that, that we grow, but it's how we've helped others grow because that's what's going to be left behind when we're gone from those leadership positions. Colonel Brad Rutman, it's an honor to call you friend, and I'm so grateful that you've given this time to share with Principal Matters listeners the 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 depth of and the wealth of information that um, and lessons that you've learned in your leadership. And I just want to wish you the best in the holidays ahead and principal matters listeners. I just want to thank you uh, for listening, Brad, any parting thoughts before we say goodbye? No, I think, uh, thank you so much for what you do. Will. Um, I think it's so important for people to get out there and to make sure that um, all of these ideas are, 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 that you can reach as many people as you possibly can with these ideas. Um, I think in general, there have been some great people that have been put in leadership positions all over the world. Um, and they don't take the time to, to put it down on paper or to write books or to do podcasts and it kind of dies with them. Uh, so I think that what you're doing is very important. Um, and, uh, I'm very grateful to be a part of it and, uh, happy holidays to you too, my friend. Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. Happy holidays to you, and we'll see you next week. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.